0: All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. Well, today we actually have a full episode for you today. We're gonna to be talking about IRS interest and how the latest deadlines have has affected some of how that process works. Kimberly will be talking that about, about that a little bit and also building wealth. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: Okay, so news for you today is, of course, more updates about kind of coronavirus and how that affects your taxes, because that's kind of all the news today, or all the news nowadays.
0: That's all that we hear. Yeah,
1: and so CNBC reported that the IRS will pay up to 5% interest on refunds issued after April 15th, but you must file by June 15th. So obviously, we passed June 15th by now. But the kind of interesting thing to know is that, for once, uh, the IRS will pay interest. And they've done it before. You know, if they pay any sort of refund that they owe you later, they'll pay you interest on that. But especially given the later deadline, there's a lot more opportunity for that. Um, however, you have to be careful, and and just to clarify, this is if the IRS owes you money back, and they didn't pay you until ap- after April fifteenth.
0: So all you lucky ducks out there that had a return, <laughs> we, I think y'all know this by now, but we had to pay. It's very sad. <laughs> it was it was very sad. It's uh, we didn't pay enough as we should have, so we're not going to benefit from this, but maybe some of you will.
1: Yeah, and five percent is pretty good. Compounds daily, which is nice. Mm. But one thing you have to be careful of is that the interest on your refund may be taxable when you file next year. So you know, for example, if you have a Goldman Sachs saving account where you can get pretty decent interest out of it, you'll get a form that shows all the interest that was paid and that's income to you. And you have to pay taxes on that. Well, the IRS will pay you um, interest, but then they'll say, well, that's income and we're going to tax you on that. So it seems kind of circular logic to me. (laughs) But, I mean, it makes sense. It's income to you. So just watch out and you'll have to pay interest on or you have to pay taxes on that next year. So
0: it's kind of like they're giving you a sucker and you take one lick and they take it back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just deduct uh, the taxes now, please. Government. <laughs> we love
0: government so much. But... <laughs>
1: Okay, so more of our fun segment, my favorite, is uh, what did we watch this weekend? Mm -hmm. So this movie, it was one that I watched while I was exercising. Now we're all working out from home. I love to just put on Netflix in the background. It helps me get through it while I ride a stationary bike. And... But when you're doing that that often, you kind of put on dumb movies because you run out of good movies to
0: watch. And there's nothing new. right yeah, now. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. new
1: going on. So I'm like, I don't really know what to watch here. And Netflix is kind of recycling movies. And they've got a ton of romantic comedies, which, eh, you know, sometimes there's good ones. But a lot of times they're entertaining enough to have on in the background. And, you know, if you don't if you miss a conversation, it's not the end of the world. So I watched one called How Do You Know? I thought it looked pretty interesting because it had Reese Witherspoon, Paul Rudd, Owen Wilson, and Jack Nicholson
0: who I like Jack all Nicholson of
1: them. Jack was in that? He was. He's a surprise. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> <it's>
0: like, <laughs>
1: I know. I didn't think he'd be in that. And he played, I liked his role. I thought it was pretty funny. I so. walked in
0: for like five minutes and I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this <laughs> well, When one. I looked
1: it up today, it was a bomb at the box office. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it said it was like a $100 million budget and they only made like $49 million wow. on it. Or, yeah, like I said, don't quote me on the numbers, but they didn't make a lot of money on that thing. <laughs> and both audiences and users, gave it bad reviews. However, the reason I'm bringing it up on this show is because the accountant in me loved it. Is Paul Rudd in the movie, the whole premise is that he's being investigated by the government because of potential securities fraud. So the whole time you're like, what is this fraud that happened? What did he do or... What did anybody, you know, somebody do in this company that he worked with? It's a family company. So Jack Nicholson is his dad. And I won't give any spoilers because, you know, we don't like spoilers, but came out 10 years ago. Yeah. But the fraud that is committed, it's not central to the plot, like how it's done and who doesn't, everything is important. But the fraud that's committed is the character describes how um, the company, when they're opening their business in a foreign country, he bribed officials. And so then he was facing decades to life of jail time, which is really funny because you think, what in the world? And it reminded me of when we were in college, we took a class called International Accounting that was really, really interesting. And we had a great professor, and I remember he said, if you only learn one thing from this class, Learn that um, there's a law. Yeah, there's a law (laughs) called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which I don't think many people know about, and it's really interesting. And especially if you work in business, if you want to open a business, um, it's really important to know. So if you open a business in a foreign country, and there's a lot of countries where it's just business as usual to offer a bribe like you can't get a business license unless you pay this one person Uh happens
0: a lot in China actually we learned about this it's uh, China has like a different structure than we do where it's more personal you spend time with them it's not very contract driven it is now but even then uh, people turn back on their contracts if they don't see you for a year
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so they have a lot of countries will have like, well, you can get a permit to do business in this country if you pay an under the table to bribe to so and so. Mm -hmm. And people think, okay, well, that's in another country. That's just what everybody does. And that could be true. That's just what everybody does, you know, to be able to do business in that country. However, in the United States, if you're a United States citizen and you do that in another country, you will be tried criminally in the United States. So if you went to another country and to expand your business, you paid someone a bribe, you will go to jail in the U.S. It's illegal to do that kind of stuff in other countries. Isn't that interesting? I always thought it was, you know, it's something that you think, well, it's in another country, wouldn't I be, if it's not illegal in their country, or, you know, not kind of turned a blind eye towards, would it really matter? But the U.S. will prosecute you for that. They're really serious about foreign corrupt, it's called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, and they're really serious about having corruption in other countries
0: so just be careful everyone if you're going to be doing it just be good <laughs> that's that's the moral of the story just just be good if there's something that seems like it's going to be a little um shady shady yeah that's a good word for it if it's going to be a little shady stay away from it don't do it because it's not worth it it's just not worth getting into trouble and then all of a sudden you have an x or like an x on your mark for history and then people don't want to do business with you anymore. and
1: you're in jail yeah (laughs) so and a lot of people say well everyone does it in that country but the u.s says we don't care (laughs) you can't do it so be careful with that
0: so uh, another really fun movie we watched is we actually revisited this one before because we watched it in the past and we love it now we'll be fast because we have a lot of cool topics that we want to get to today but um was actually Mad Max. We watched Mad Max Fury Road.
1: Yeah, the one that came out not that long ago. Uh,
0: 2015, I not believe. Not one of
1: the older ones. Yeah.
0: And it is just awesome. It is awesome. The action is fun. It's uh, very intense. And the action feels a lot more real because the stunt work was more real than what you see in so many other movies. So if you want just a good action flick, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, definitely give that one a look. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about our main education piece for today. And we're going to be discussing its uh, trade basics and wealth accumulation. Now, what do we mean by accumulation? Number one, well, we mean getting money, right? How do you obtain wealth, build wealth and that sort of thing? So we're going to be talking about that. But first, in order to understand wealth, we need to define what wealth is. Well, There are some basic misconceptions when it comes to wealth. People think that wealth is just money in the bank. I saved up a bunch of money and that's what I have, but money is, and wealth is actually more than that. Wealth is actually, and that can be true. So if you have money, that is purchase power. You can buy things with it. That is wealth, but wealth can have more to it. And what we mean by more is, um, you can actually, you can, so wealth in definition is your accumulation of assets that increase your purchase power. So that means things like stocks, ownerships, land, home, and cash. So it's basically all of your personal assets that you have is what we're going to, that's what we're talking about when we say wealth. Now, the one dirty secret that so many people don't tell you is the rich, most of their money is not in cash. Most of their money is actually in assets.
1: I think it can be misleading when people see stuff in the news like, Jeff Bezos, you know, lost a billion dollars today or whatever. And they're like, how do you lose a billion dollars in a day? Or they think, oh, you know, this one billionaire, shouldn't they just give their money away and, you know, take care of everybody's problems? But Jeff Bezos doesn't have a billion dollars in a bank account. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most of his wealth is because he owns stock in Amazon. And that's why it can fluctuate when they say he lost millions of dollars today he didn't actually lose that money it just meant the value of the stock went down
0: just ownership in a company and so if he were to sell his stocks and people are like oh why doesn't he just give us 10 billion to charity well then he's losing ownership in his business and so people don't realize that and so when people don't get those particular concepts then it then it's it's really easy to criticize and it's uh, and sure he does have a lot of money. Charity is also a very good thing. So if he wants to sell some of his ownership and give it to charity, more power to him. But the but when it comes to ownership, most of the uber wealthy have it in assets. So let's talk about how to accumulate wealth, how to grow your wealth. Well, there's one way: theft. <laughs> you can steal, but I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> so let's let's take you on a history road, because I was actually thinking about this today. Why is theft actually bad, right? And it's, uh, this kind of put me down a, a, what do they call it, a rabbit hole on what actually, like, what is wrong with stealing. Now, because a lot of people say, well, it's, of course it's bad because we grew up in a society. But if you think of survival of the fittest, let's go back in time where there's no government, no economics, no whatever. What is the law that actually existed at that point in time? Well, the law was survival of the fittest. So let's go visit our ancestors. Let's go on memory lane for a second. If we go and visit our ancestors in the past, like let's uh, back in the time when they were in caves banging rocks together and hitting heads with rocks (laughs) and living in caves, whatever. Well, back in the day, uh, the law that existed was survival of the fittest, which meant that the only the strong survived when it came to finding resources. So the, the, uh, the leader of the pack the individual that was the strongest the the hunter that kind of thing and the law that existed then was scarcity there or their dependence on assets rather was scarcity. I was I'm hungry. I have to go hunt food. I didn't have access to food in a fridge. I didn't have access to food in storage in surplus. I had to go find it. So the reason why theft is so bad is because well, let's keep going. Well, we're we're going to get there, I promise. So what happened in our continuum here? When we started growing out of this, what happened is we decided or over thousands and thousands of years our ancestors found ways to actually engage with people that would solve the problem of scarcity. And that was starting to incorporate, incorporate the idea of trade where it's like, you know what, instead of me going to you and bashing your brains in for something, I'm going to now engage in trade with you and get something. I'm going to give you something for something else. So that is just basic barter and trade. So why was that useful though? Because if you're living a life of um, in scarcity and survival of the fittest, it's a lot of work. You have to hunt all the time. You have to build your own hut. You have to uh, go find uh, your own spouse, or you you know, there's no Tinder. <laughs> it's a lot harder. It's that uh, you have to fight against other people, against animals, weather, conditions, no AC. It's just rough.
1: You kind of had to be a jack of all trades. You mm-hmm. couldn't just wake up and I do my one thing. I'm working in accounting. I wake up and I do accounting. I don't wake up and like grind my own wheat, <laughs> you know? So you had to be able to do a lot more.
0: Exactly. So let's use a farm. Let's say we have now gone further down the line. Well, let's say you have a family farm that you're working on back in the old days. Well, then this concept of trade was introduced that made life easier because now what you can do, you can actually work at a skill that you're good at, but then you can engage with trade with somebody else who's good at something else, and instead of you trying to be a jack of all trade and being mediocre at all of those items, you can now start to develop some expertise focusing on just a few things. So this actually helped society and this promoted and pushed society forward. People engage with trade. I can now go to Kimberly and say, hey, can you do my accounting work? You know, there's no accounting back then, but the very basic accounting, how much money do I have? Well, you would then say, okay, well, I have, uh, I have, let's say, farming stuff. I'm a farmer. I go over to Kimberly and let's say she is an, she works at an iron mill. She's a, a, a blacksmith. So now she can actually fix horseshoes Uh, For my horses on my farm. I don't have to make those horseshoes and the quality of the of those horseshoes would be better than mine Because now she can become an expert. I'm giving her food. She's giving me horseshoes awesome I can now specialize in my material however even with Trading there is still limitations because let's say I try to go out to somebody and say, you know what, I want to go and actually engage in trade with uh, an individual to get uh, some other service. Let's say I need to get, uh, uh, I don't know, what's in the back then? Farmers, blacksmiths, what else are there?
1: <laughs> Maybe a hut builder. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, build
0: somebody lumber there we go somebody that provides me with lumber to build my uh, my uh, farm okay well i go over to this lumberjack and he says guess what i don't want your farm i don't want food from your farm but that's all i have to trade so i go over to him and say i want to trade with you because i want i need some lumber so i can work on my farm and not have to do extra work and the lumberjack says nope i don't need food i'm not going to trade with you well now you're in a pickle so now you're in a pickle and you don't know what to do. So what society has done is we decided we need to solve this particular problem. So we have learned to work with each other. So this idea of trade, barter, and all this has, has formed communities. It's formed governments and other things. And in this case, these form, these governments... These communities these states came up with a solution and that is coming up with what we call a medium of exchange We need something that can represent some sort of value So we don't run into the problem with the lumberjack and that is or the solution is money We have come up with money, which is just a piece of paper or even back in the day They used gold rocks, stones, whatever it is and they said, okay Well, these are going to be the items that we're that we're going to put value on And that is going to be the item that we decide as a community to trade with one another. So I can now go to Kimberly and say, hey, I'm going to sell you my farm goods. And she now buys my farm goods. And with money, she's going to give me now money. I can take that money and go over to the lumberjack and say, now I need some lumber from you. Wonderful. Now we have a wonderful system in place. Money where we put value towards some sort of item that will now allow us to engage in trade with other people that we normally would not if we are actually just dealing with barter.
1: That's why it allows you to go to your job and say you're an event planner right, you know, very specific skill set, and you go to your job, you earn $100, and then I can spend that on Amazon for clothes, and I can spend that at the grocery store, and I can spend that on makeup, or I could spend it on my home payment, or hey, there's a million things that you could spend it on, and you can spend on, buy a million things, you think about, you know, what you buy in a month. And using your money where normally maybe not everybody needs your specific service, but you're able to take that resource and turn it into you can do one thing and you can turn it into a hundred things.
0: It's brilliant. This principle alone that Kimberly was just talking about has allowed us as a civilization to, number one, work with one another. We don't kill each other anymore. It's against the law, (laughs) which is good. We don't steal from each other anymore because we have all agreed by just being in the society that we are going to engage in these processes. And that's what Homemade Ops is all about. We're here to help you learn how to work in this process and know of all the different systems because now it's way more complex than just working with a blacksmith, a lumberjack, and a farmer.
1: And you've got to avoid the people you're talking about theft, because there are people nowadays who think, well, why don't I just take what I want? Which overall, that is bad for society and it hurts you in the long run, which we'll talk about a little bit more. But there are people who do that, even like we were talking about the foreign crop practices act yeah, earlier, yeah. you know, <laughs> there are people who do that. And so it's important to be able to be like, just like they teach you in driving, you've got to be a defensive driver, right? Because there are people out there, you can't prevent people from doing stupid things on the road they're just going to it's reality of life and you can't prevent people from doing corrupt or dumb things in society and trying to take advantage of you so the best thing you can do is develop be honest yourself but develop a defense system and have a bit of skepticism about you know, be able to identify fraudulent things, or being able to identify even when people don't mean to have theft or fraud. There's systems that are more difficult to navigate. Like for example, if you don't know the tax law, yeah. then all of a sudden maybe you owe penalties or you owe more in taxes just because you weren't aware. So because our system has gotten more complicated and there's lots of legal requirements you have to take care of, like paying taxes, or there's lots of things you have to be able to understand. For example, when you are been buying a home, there's hundreds of pages in those contracts. And they're there for a reason because buying a home is complex. What about this situation? Who pays for this? Or what if this happens? Who pays for this? So these provisions need to be in there. But if you don't understand them, you can have a lot of problems.
0: So this idea of trade, barter, money, all of this, what does this all kind of wrap up to? Well, that is trying to find out ways how to gain more of that wealth. The good news is with all of this, with the the insertion of money into our ecosystem, <laughs> ecosystem, <laughs> within our uh, our economy and within different cultures, societies, nations, we have now come up with systems where we can actually come up with more jobs than would have existed in the past. I mean, think about it. Uh, Let's look at shoemakers, shoe manufacturers. So a shoe manufacturer, a shoesmith, back in the old day was just a solo person, maybe had some apprentice, they would work with each other, and then they would make shoes. Well now, because of specialization, because of currency, they can just specialize in making shoes. Guess what happened? With more specialization means more technology, more innovation. With more innovation, they're able to build upon it. Now they can expand their services and say, instead of just servicing people on my block, what if I could do a neighborhood? What if I can do a what, what if I can do a city? So now I start to build factories. I start to build factories, introduce other people and other jobs. Well, if I'm going to build a factory, I need an expert that can deal with negotiations. Maybe I can have an expert that can deal with marketing. Maybe a supply chain. Now more jobs are being produced. This is how society functions and works, and this is why companies are always posting jobs all the time saying, we need help with X, Y, Z. So, now how do we make more money, and why, how does this system work? This system only works if we have something called trust. We trust that each other, that every single one of our citizens are going to adhere to these policies, to this rule, or all the rules that we have established in society. So, if I go and break these rules, you get arrested. Governments have now been formed to protect your rights so that way people can engage and work with one another. And if people start to break those rules, they'll come arrest them and pull them from society. Think about theft. Think about murder. Think about all these things. Why do we have these rules? So as a society and a bunch of people can actually function together rather than chaos. If we didn't have these rules and systems, everything would be chaotic. We would not have any organization. It would be a madhouse. We have what we have today because we have organized our individuals into societies and we all just decided to follow certain rules
1: and that's also even kind of i think a little bit more complex is the idea of contract law Mm. so it's the idea that you are legally protected if you're in a contract so if somebody signs a contract with you i'm going to provide you x amount of product and you're going to pay me this and they provide the product and you don't pay them you are legally obliged to pay them so just because you have a contract between one person. That's legally enforceable, and I think that's an, another important element of our society. Even there's basic laws about protecting human rights, and then that, I think, is another really important element that if you say you're going to commit to do something in a contract, then the government and the laws of the land hold you to that.
0: Yeah. So what happens if you break these rules then? So let's talk about theft in particular. If somebody steals, and this is why getting wealth this way is not good, if somebody decides to break the rules of society... Well, that's going to break, and sometimes breaking rules is good, or I shouldn't say breaking rules, changing rules is good. So if you go and change laws, change policies, that can be a good way to do it because now it's in law. We're now telling citizens to follow a concept or a set of rules, right, that is established by everybody. Now, but if you have an individual that decides to go against the grain and they decide to, let's say, steal one thing from someone, well, now we can't engage in trade. Because you're taking value that some time and energy that somebody has produced something or a company has produced something, a lot a a combination of many people working for a particular cause. I have now removed that item. I take it for myself and I try to advance my own personal wealth through theft. Well, that may work in the short term, but long term, it doesn't. So let's think about neighborhoods, for example. If I'm in a neighborhood and I go and I steal from a business and I keep stealing from that business, that trust, or at least the business, has now zero trust in the community or neighborhood where they're currently at. What are they going to do? I would leave. I would leave and get out of there because now there's no trust. So at that point, what's going to happen to that community in the long term? So short term, I'm sitting good. I now have uh, extra cash that I stole or whatever it may be. Long term, now that business is going to leave or fail because now they can't function. They're going to—they don't have enough money to. They have to work twice as hard to make up the items that you stole, and now they're going to leave. Then some people say, "Well, what about uh, businesses that have hundreds of millions of dollars? They're not going to miss a little thing." Well, that's so. The example that I use for that one is let's say there's a billionaire, and I am a billionaire. I'm a billionaire, and you're a thief. OK, and you come up to me at gunpoint and say, give me one hundred dollars now. Is a billionaire going to miss one hundred dollars? No, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. They have a lot more. Right. However, however, what about that trust? Is that person going to engage in any any business deal with that person in the future ever? I wouldn't. Trust
1: in general, it kind of makes you more skeptical, too. Yeah. Less trusting and maybe and you can see that even with people who You know, sometimes it's really awful, but people set up a charity that's fraudulent. You know, and and that's really horrible because then all of a sudden somebody gets screwed out of money because they give to this charity that's fake. Then they're less, they're more hesitant to give to charities in the future. Or even just with businesses, if you get, you know, we see it all the time where people just don't pay, they get behind on bills, things like that. And it makes you very defensive. Like I even see that working in accounting where we have to have a very strong collections process because we know that you guys have to assume people aren't gonna pay. And we have, I always tell my team, you've gotta have the attitude that um, you have gotta be the vendor that gets paid first. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody goes under or they're short on cash and then they short you on cash, then all of a sudden you're stuck. So it makes businesses more hesitant to trust each other when people aren't honest as well.
0: So when it comes to wealth, It's uh, So theft, definitely don't do it. (laughs) The whole history lesson there, or a very brief history lesson on economics, is basically there to explain that society is basically just a collection of people agreeing to follow certain rules so we can advance our future. That is the whole goal. We want to advance a future. And when there are thieves, when people take that away, then that's going to impede on growth. It's going to stop innovation. Progress halts. So long term, it is so bad for society just to accept that white collar crime, a huge problem. I mean, it's there's a you were just talking about it and earlier in in earlier in the episode, white collar crime is a monster issue. And so don't steal from your checks on from your business or even business owners. Don't cut corners because a lot of business owners have done stuff too that is very illegal and they go to jail for it. And they should because that trust goes away. And how can you engage in if it, The larger the deal, the more at risk you are, because if you engage in a hundred million dollar deal as a business with someone that screws you over, you've lost a lot of money and that's going to hurt not just you, but everyone that works for you. Also, uh, any, all the employees, it's bad. So what are the proper ways to make money? And we're very excited because we're going to be talking about for the next several episodes, ways that you can make money using uh, or d- different products, rather, shall I say. We're not going to teach you how to get rich, right? <laughs> it's uh, That's why you go to school and other things. But we want to make sure you understand all the different products out there when it comes to things like investments and other products. So let's talk about real fast and then we'll end the episode and then continue on Wednesday with this topic. Uh, what are ways that you can actually accumulate wealth? What are the different categories that is? Well, number one, you can sell your time and labor by becoming an employee or a contractor. This method of making money is what most people do. What they do is they go join a company as an employee and you say, hey, I'm going to trade my time and skills, so labor. I'm going to provide my skills and labor for cash. You're going to give me money and benefits in return. That is the contract that you engage in with particular individuals. Instead of a barter and trade with your trading objects, you're now going to be trading time. But very similar, very similar to the past. So that one is what most people do in America. The second one is by becoming an entrepreneur or even a business owner. Same thing, but (laughs) so you can become a business owner without being an entrepreneur, starting a business, right? But basically owning a business is the idea. So you can start up a business, you come up with some services, and then the business grows. You start getting a lot more money that way. The other way is becoming an investor. Now, here's a little secret for everybody the people who get rich, the richest people on the planet are going to be in the latter categories. They're going to be business owners. They're also going to be investors. So we're going to talk about in the next coming episodes, investment products, what they are. So we're going to talk about stocks, bonds, ETFs, real estate. We're going to be talking about a lot of different investment types. Uh, Then we're going to uh, so that way you know what they are and then you can decide which one you want to invest in that is or which one you want to use. How does uh, what is? How does a stock market work? How do bonds work? How do these different investment products work? And how do people get rich from them? We will be discussing those.
1: And I think the important thing to realize is, for example, from even, you know, I do accounting, I didn't major in finance, which is more kind of Todd's world. And I, I'm i not huge in like, oh, let me buy a bunch of stocks and play the market. Not interested in that. But Most people aren't going to get into big, you know, I think when you think of stocks and investments, you think of some sitting on Wall Street and, you know, in their fancy suit and playing the market and all this. And you're like, okay, that's not for me. I teach school or, you know, I own a bakery or something like that's not my world. And sometimes I feel like that. But I think everybody can be investor when you invest, when you open a retirement account, you're an investor or when you buy your home. You're an investor because you're investing in a real estate property. It's basically buying things that can eventually grow your wealth without you really spending a lot of time on them. So, like when you buy your house, hopefully in five years it's worth more, and then you sell it and you earn a bit of money, that's an investment. So, when we talk about becoming an investor and understanding investments, we don't necessarily mean we're gonna teach you how to play the market because that's not even what we do. We're talking about taking your hard earned money. You go to your job every day or you go to your business every day and you make money, and you and you spend a lot of effort doing that, and it's taking that money and allowing it rather than just sitting in a folder under your bed as cash, you put it somewhere where it can grow, and you put it somewhere where it can also be a little bit protected, and it can help work for you, and like I said, everybody can be an investor, um, We're not here to give investment advice or tell you all these crazy things to do, but everybody can take their money and put it in a way that can help them grow a little bit, even if you put it in a high interest savings account, which we'll talk about.
0: Absolutely. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us on this episode on this wonderful Monday of uh, Homemade Ops. Please join us on Wednesday and we're going to start this journey talking about different investment products that the rich use, that other people use, and just regular people and how you can grow your wealth. And that's going to be starting off with stocks. Thank you so much, everyone, and we'll see you Wednesday.
1: The information shared on our show is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be advice. Reach out to a professional for your specific situation.